What what is this? Where where have you brought us, Ghost of Christmas Future? It, it looks like some kind of graveyard. These these gravestones, Pod F Tomcast, Hudson and Gaines, War Rocket Ajax, Wasted Words. Oh God, John, this it's some kind of crazy podcast graveyard. seems to be pointing his long bony finger at a very 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 specific gravestone here let me just uh, let me just get the moss off of it and and the garbage and rub away some of this graffiti and I think this is human waste let me wipe that off too uh oh my god just one more thing 2014 to 25 oh my god John this this Spirit, what what does this mean? Is our is our podcast doomed? I am here to warn you. Heed my words. Are you willing to listen to the very episode of this podcast which may lead it upon this inexorable path? Yes, anything, if it can save the podcast. Very well. Then listen you shall. Okay, so... Hold on. I just need to find the right... Uh, I have a lot of podcasts on here. I've got to scroll through the whole... Uh, I know I downloaded it. It's on here somewhere. You know, I've got my phone. I, I could just, you know... No, no. Hey, here it is. I found it. Okay. Ooh. Oh, and you guys need to share the earbuds. I lost my... Some all-seeing future ghost. I know, right? Silence. Now, behold. Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, Just One More Thing, the podcast where we discuss the iconic and much-beloved 1970s television show Columbo, and then some. Welcome to our very special holiday episode. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time out, we're talking about Caviar with Everything, originally broadcast on March 22nd, 1979, written by Howard Burke and Al Reynolds, directed by Don Medford, and starring Claudette Nevins as Sybil, Trisha Noble as Patty, and... Kate Mulgrew as what? Mrs. Columbo? Have we fallen down what? some sort of rabbit hole? Am I in the wrong We're through the looking glass now. Studio? Sorry. <laughs> and every episode of the podcast, we're joined by a special guest. This time around, we're delighted to re-welcome returning guest Mallory Ortberg, writer for The Toast and author of New York Times best-selling book texts from Jane Eyre. But before we bring her on, RJ, inasmuch as we are brand new to the to the frequently redacted world of the regrettable Columbo spinoff, Mrs. Columbo, give us an extended walkthrough of the plot to caviar with everything. Oh, boy. Okay, we open on a woman in a car watching a train and her watch, obviously planning something not good. She calls her estranged husband who's playing with an unknown woman's feet, saying he'll never, ever return to her. Next day, we're in a big warehouse-like catering operation as Mrs. Kate Colombo, reporter for a local weekly newspaper, is being shown the ins and outs of the business by its co-owner, Patty. Thankfully, we and Mrs. Colombo are told which of the two varieties of caviar are Patty's poison. Hint, serve her the beluga, not the lungfish. Then we meet Patty's business partner, Sybil. Uh-oh, she was the one in the car 
and for some reason seems to be buying a fancy engraved watch for that ex-husband who said he'd never come back to her. Patty comes in, wants out of the business, having landed an unnamed beau, and Sybil and the audience are led to believe it's Sybil's ex, Richard. Revenge time, 3,000. Big fancy party that night. Mrs. Colombo is going undercover there for a big, big catering profile. In a corner, Sybil agrees to buy Patty's share in the business, and they celebrate with a flute of champagne and, uh-oh, the lungfish caviar. Patty's fish egg Achilles heel. Patty comes over all sick. Sybil takes her outside, feigns having to go back to the office for an emergency Viking dagger hors d'oeuvre. But really, she takes the weakened Patty to the railroad tracks, puts her in a car, and stages a horrific train-slash-stalled car accident. Now, with no show of any motivation behind it whatsoever, Mrs. Colombo is supposedly suspicious and kind of sort of on the case. In the course of her investigation, she inadvertently thwarts two more civil murders. She's trying to kill that ex-husband. She's got a taste of that sweet, sweet murder. Bothers people at a funeral. Has romantic dinner with Lieutenant Colombo thwarted by his never being on the show. And is told by her kindly editor at the Springfield Shopper to go back to New York. But in a nice way. Sybil is ultimately undone by the same mistake every first-time murderer makes. She left a half-empty container of lungfish eggs in the fur coat she tried giving to the person who's trying to catch her. <laughs> uh, if I had a nickel. Anyway, Kate Colombo traps her in a couple of lies, and we're left with an ambiguous ending where, well, it's not really like she can arrest her because she's not a cop, so I don't know. That's, that's that in Mrs. Colombo episode. Oh, boy. This was rough. This was not easy. Yay! Yeah. Well yeah. done. This well was done. tough. Uh, well, welcome to the program, Mallory. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us for our uh, holiday episode where we're, we're giving uh, our listeners a bit of a treat, a special, special uh, Christmas gift. Well, thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, for folks listening, they may be familiar with Columbo. They may just be kind of vaguely familiar with the fact that there maybe was some sort of show called Mrs. Columbo at some point, but not really sure why. So maybe we should kind of get into that a little bit before we get into this wonderful uh, slice of television history. You know what I kept thinking about when I was watching this was it would be sort of like if Frasier eventually had a spinoff called Maris. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Kind of. Yeah. 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 Because she's the only the only unseen character I can think wow. of that's given a spinoff. But then they decide to start disavowing that it is a spinoff, like halfway through the series run. And so they started changing the name and sort of gave up on the idea that she was actually married to the Columbo of the series Columbo. Yeah, no, it had three. It was uh, Mrs. Columbo, then Kate Columbo. Right, she, and gets, then, and uh, it's third she gets season. the last name, right? Yeah, and then the third season was Kate Loves a Mystery. Oh, she and there was Kate also Kate Loves a Mystery. So yeah. a time in between when there was Kate the Detective. It had oh, they four titles, oh and it was God. on for less than a year. Oh, actually, it had three right. seasons, didn't it? Hey, would it uh, didn't Carlton the Doorman have a spinoff as well? Uh, there, was one, there was one cartoon special they did. I remember watching as a kid because I, I liked Carlton the Doorman. Oh, Somebody okay. recommended that the dog should have gotten a spinoff. Probably. I feel like I feel... Nice. Yeah. Right. The coat could have gotten a spinoff. So at, at the time that this was agreed to N- NBC as a network was in kind of an odd place. They had not had a good 1970s. Uh, they were like third place perennially. They were a joke kind of like they are now. Um, terrible, terrible shape. So they hired this guy named Fred Silverman from ABC who had a golden touch over there, like to be their program executive over at ABC. Fred Silverman had gotten a, a love boat on the air. He got um, uh, Charlie's angels, a uh, bunch of shows. Everybody's watching him, so they hired him NBC. And um, so he gets over there, 
And they started putting on shows like uh, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> Hello, Larry, starring McLean Stevenson. Pink Lady and Jeff. Here's Boomer, starring a dog who wasn't Benji. Grandpa Goes to Washington. I love Here's Boomer. And Super Train. That's what they had. And Columbo was... Super Train? Super Train. It lasted, I think... Oh, it was like one of the most expensive television shows ever made. It lasted only a few episodes. They were kind of trying to do a love boat thing, but it was on this super fast train that went across the country. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, a romantic comedy version of Snowpiercer? Look it up on... Why the- do I remember... Oh, yes. Nice. So Columbo Why do was- I remember uh, Super Train as being, like, a tragedy, like a disaster show? <laughs> Because um, sometimes it was. They'd have to try to work up dramatic stuff. Every, but there was like a It derailed movie. once an episode. Did it, did it, did it. I think, yeah, I think maybe they probably did try that. Oh, there's time. leaves on the track. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, awful stuff. And Columbo was leaving the air. And so I think they just figured like, well, let's just try that again with his wife, maybe? And so... Yeah, uh, yeah John, I think you know more about had... this. Go go through like uh, how what the reaction was by the folks who actually make Columbo. Yeah, Levinson and Link were against spinoffs since day one. They had been approached really since Columbo had debuted about doing some kind of spinoff. It's why you had guys like Bob Dishy showing up as uh, as an assistant detective, uh, and they never allowed it to happen. And then when Mrs. Columbo came along, it was so ham handed and so behated by not just Levinson and Link, but Peter Falk, oh, yeah. who was like really vocal about disliking it, that uh, it just, it was stumbling right out of the gate. It, was, it wasn't just that the premise was a little bit of a mess, which it, it sincerely was, but it, it didn't have any support from the actual Columbo team. Well, let me, let me, let me something about that. I've been thinking about this way too much over the last couple of weeks, and I have kind of a theory <laughs> about this show. You do have a podcast, that's probably... Yeah, that's true. Um... Like I, I um, Die Hard three, the third one with Samuel Jackson, that wasn't really even a Die Hard movie. That script yeah. was some other script called Simon Says, and they thought, oh, we need a Die Hard movie. Hey, it's a good script, and they kind of like threw that in there. I, I get the feeling watching this thing, they had some other pilot or some other concept for a show, and then just kind of jammed the Columbo stuff into it when they needed to do something. Because I mean, the premise isn't terrible. You've got maybe a single mother. Uh, works for a newspaper, so she's this dogged reporter, just stumbling into mysteries every single week. That's not a terrible idea for a show, but trying to hang it on the Columbo thing no, by just vaguely once in a while, oh, you just missed him, or oh, he's at work still, every single week. Right. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, it smells like cigars in here. Yes, oh, it must have been my husband yeah. Columbo. I mean, they, yeah, I, I've seen it. And they have the same basset hound. Yeah, well, yes. The car's in the driveway. Yeah. The dog is in the house. The opening credits, you see his cigar in an ashtray. I it's sort of like, did you like the set dressing on Columbo? Yes, then you'll exactly. love Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got all the props. It's no a hard. hot day for Columbo Interiors uh, Tumblr. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. When I, I watched a few more episodes of this, including the pilot. Why, God? Did you really? Why? The, why the pilot you episode. do it? I did. First off, that's two hours of my life, folks. Yeah. But the, the the pilot episode is not bad, except when they veer off to explicitly mention Columbo. Yeah. So that's, it'll be her amazing. solving a mystery, her interacting with people, and then, oh, I'm going to go take the famous Columbo car in to get fixed, and we're going to do a, a sketch about that. <laughs> because there's a little, you know, her methodology is not 
terribly dissimilar from Columbo's in the sense that she's very friendly and cheerful until right. the end when she pulls out, I've been secretly compiling evidence against you. Right. But whereas Columbo has, you know... Yeah, she's an unstoppable crime-solving pixie. She doesn't even let on. There's no There's no cat and mouse. She's literally just friendly until the last eight minutes of the episode. That, and then she says, by the way, I've been secretly stalking you, and I think you did it. She play. I don't know if it's... I don't know how many episodes into the series this was. Well, okay, well, going going back to taking elements of the show, I think the biggest mistake this thing does is uh, imitating the same structure, where you have the murder introducing some characters, right. and then you get into actually... You know, the meat of the show, you don't have time for that in 44 minutes. When you've got like the hour and a half episodes that Columbo has, yeah, it's fine. But you shouldn't be messing around with that if you only got 44 damn minutes of network television. You've got to get right, hit the ground running, get right to it, and get the main character in there almost right away if you can. Yeah, I it think just there were was like such mistake. Four, there were like four solid minutes of just shots of her catering. Oh, uh, like my. no dialogue, no one's talking. It's just trays of canapes and mini quiches. And. Yeah, it's just so strange. I mean, there's, there's like a there's, weird slapstick bit in that segment too. Oh, well, where, there's that. There's that guy. Oh yeah, uh, slapstick bit where the lady. Is, oh, there's a super creepy rape dude. Yeah. Yes, there, there's oh, like, right. there's a guy who's trying to trap her against the wall until his wife comes up. Uh oh. But yeah, then there's that woman who doesn't notice she's spilling, like stuff down her blouse. But the whole thing, like she's right, only there and she's because spilling she, like a lot of stuff down her blouse. Yes. Uh Okay, which we should probably get back to the, the like the her mist like actually the way she does or even doesn't really try going about solving the mystery at all in the show either. I don't know. I could actually probably talk about the I could talk about that cocktail party for about a solid half hour <laughs> because it's packed with some of the worst television I've ever seen. It's ah. Uh... It's, I, I don't it's know part of what feels like they're just trying to take the elements of what they liked on Columbo, but without any of the actual vision or creativity. Right. So it's a lot of rich people. And, you know, right. she has a mink coat and Mrs. Columbo has a cotton coat. So you see that. But there's no sense of, like, the class warfare or the keen no. eye or the cat and mouse or the mutual regard that they have for each other. It's just it, a it, rich lady that Kate Mulgrew is very nice to until the very end. Yeah, pretty much. It, uh, Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, and, she, yes. and Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Uh, Kate Mulgrew is supposedly really good friends with Patty, the, the woman who's murdered about like one third of the way into the series or into yes. the show. Yes. And right. yet when she finds out she's dead, she is so calm and collected. Like she's comforting <laughs> Sybil, who she barely knows. And it's just her like, listen, don't feel bad. Don't blame yourself. It's already been 12 hours. Those you damn know. Viking daggers. <laughs> <laughs> like she did not care that her friend died at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that just it, it kind no, of relates to how she plays it in the entire episode. You never get the impression that she's really trying to solve a mystery, that she's really trying to crack this story for her little weekly neighborhood newspaper. She's just kind of doing this stuff. That's it. Right. Right. We go back? I don't feel like it at all. Like she's actually trying to bring someone to justice or trying to. Well, she has that line about like wanting to, right. to solve a puzzle, put a puzzle together. It's like. You're not really showing that. Mm. You're just kind of showing I, up to places and, right. and bugging people for no good I think reason. they wanted to show that she didn't play her hand, kind of in the same way that Columbo would never play his hand. Oh, but they, but they, they didn't, didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. She just seemed like an idiot who doesn't care when people die and is like a dunce who keeps showing up at the door like, oh, I forgot your husband's watch. Yeah, like it I doesn't feel like when Columbo does it. So I don't know if that's a fundamental uh, misreading of people who make the show saying like completely missing the point that that's the way that works or it's just that Peter Falk just plays the role that well or it's 
the choice that she made to play the part? I don't know what it is. I mean, it could be every all of it. But there's it's just... a lot of there's a a lot of um, examples of the people who put the show together not really understanding how to put a mystery show together. Well, yeah, not even just not the, the least of which is that yeah, not, not but yeah, even... it's just like the uh, when uh, it's Patty who gets murdered, right? Yes. And the idea is that she, the, the cops are supposed to think she drunkenly drove or just stupidly drove onto the train tracks and the tra- car got hit by the train and she died. But One she's small in the passenger problem, seat. She's in yes. the passenger seat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no mystery here. That's clearly a murder. There, uh, there, uh, that is a big problem <laughs> not, with this show. <laughs> not only that she's in the passenger seat, but she like releases the emergency brake and the car crawls towards the train. What are the odds that it right. would have come exactly at the moment the train hit? Right. Yes. Yes. This is so well timed. Oh. And then, of course, the we alluded uh, you alluded to this in the description, but the only way that Mrs. Colombo actually solves this murder is that literally the killer sends her the murder weapon. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. A jar, a caviar. That's the worst sol- solution to a mystery ever. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I much. forgot it was in my then, pocket here. Yeah. I actually think my favorite part about Sybil is the ways in which she then tries to kill her husband. Oh, because it reminds kind of me wacky about it. Of a, it reminds me of a fish called Wanda when I oh, think yeah. it's Eric Idle keeps trying to yeah. kill the old lady. Yeah. Because she like picks up like a two ounce fire poker <laughs> and stalks after him like Elmer Fudd going after Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and then the, trying, she's going to push him over the thing maybe like the railing and she just kind of oh, yeah. takes a couple of tries measuring the distance. It's like, what? Why? But then, then the she music... puts her hands up real big like and then the music yeah, the... cues are kind of like wacky cartoon music cues almost like it yes. gets nutty yes. somehow. It gets lighthearted. No, I remember at that point. But the first murder is really terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah the, the first murder is so elaborate. <laughs> and the second murder is just like, I guess I'll just whack him on the head in our own home with no alibi. Yeah, Richard, <laughs> Richard, her ex-husband Richard, who it's never explicitly proven or said that he actually was. I mean, it's all implied he was going to be leaving with Patty, or Patty was going to be leaving with him. Yeah, it's kind of alluded to a lot, but there's never any explicit, definite thing. And that guy also he's with a third a cold woman fish. in the opening shot. Whoever's legs he's holding are not Patty's because Patty's about to be murdered. So he's supposedly a week away from marrying another woman, and yet he's still canoodling with some third girl. Yeah. And so, like, what's this big love story between him and Patty? I, he's I just maybe it wasn't caressing legs. I mean, I kept hoping throughout this. Boy, it'll be really interesting if it turns out it wasn't Patty at all. Like to me, that would have been fascinating. Oh, if it turned oh out that still needs her for some other woman. Yes, and that and that she killed her friend and business partner for nothing. Like, I kept hoping, and then, no, that didn't happen. That's yeah, what I was hoping for that from a better but show. I don't know if they were trying to imply that he's a gold digger because Patty was about to come into a lot of money, and maybe that's why he felt like he had to come back to Sybil, because otherwise, why wouldn't he just be sad he lost Patty but keep dating other people? Because there was no there was no indication he was broken up about this lady being killed at all. No one minded that she the died. Next day, the next Don't day, he's, back with, his, he's right. back with his ex-wife. Uh, Richard. Oh, oh, and guys, guys, guys! Did you notice that they had an open casket funeral for a woman who died by being right? snatched yes, up by a train? Oh, and that funeral! She's just hanging. Well, it was apparently like a really chipper event anyway, because yes. Mrs. Columbo was smiling all the way through it. And and Patty uh, had to go to the races immediately yes, after. Patty's attorney's wife 
she she just waiting in the car. Like I'm imagining that the conversation as they're driving up to the funeral home. It's like, well, is it going to be long? Well, I mean, she was my client. I should go and say, well, we got we got to get going. Like, do you want to come in? No, I'm going to keep the car running. You you got to be out here in five minutes. And then she got so much like, hey, we we got to we got to go, go bet on the ponies in five minutes. Come on, hurry it up with the uh, the, the morning. And leaving yeah. the guards. A gambling addiction yeah. is a serious problem. That's true. Like this, this, this journalist is clearly asking him serious questions about a very suspicious death, and he's just like, "Listen, lady, you know, my, when my the bell goes out there, she really wants to go. She's we got a greyhound in the fifth. <laughs> we got to be, we got to be betting on. Like, it's, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna think now. I love the trip. scene where <laughs> I love the scene where Kate, where Kate Colombo goes up to the man she thinks is the bereaved lover. And she could not be smiling wider. She's yes. like just grotesquely happy to see him. Oh, I bet you're the handsome man who's now a widower. It's all a peculiar game to mm. her. Yeah, it didn't but, seem like she was an alien trying to adopt human mannerisms. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, what is bit. sadness? How do I make sadness with my face? Oh, my God. Speaking of which, she is way too arch and sarcastic with her daughter. That is not the oh, way to raise what? a child. Well, you know what I think that is? I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm watching, like, a 1970s Neil Simon movie, kind of, where they would always have, like, <laughs> the, the smart-aleck kid yeah, feels like that. who's talking on the same level as the adults, and they got that relationship back and forth. It just seems like... A Thousand Clowns. Yeah, something like A Thousand Clowns, something like uh, Goodbye Girl, <laughs> something like that. That's Yeah, what but I mean, like, she's, like she's treating her six-year-old daughter, seven, however old that kid is, like she's a college friend. Yeah, totally. This and is not point, not the level that you're supposed. And and, and okay, and, UPS no, delivers something at like nine at night. Oh, it's it's, it's the murder coat. And and she just right. tells her kid, get the door. Yeah. Like she doesn't say it in that accent. But well, she's <laughs> upset. Well, <laughs> abroad. well, it's because she's upset because. <laughs> Because the Columbo sex night has been called off oh. because he's at work and the dog. Oh, enjoy that mental image, everybody. I mean, that's what it was, though. No. That's what it was. I know it was. She was trying to get a, like an erotic night. Yes, an erotic like, night with Columbo. That's not the wife of of Mr. Columbo. That's not what she looks like. That's not what she, she doesn't trail about the house in like blue uh, like caftans. Like she's lovely and twenty five. Like. Her yeah, husband yeah, is a tall was, man who has a watch. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of the things that's brought up on the trivia for this site is that if you do the math on Columbo's actual references to his wife, uh, in Prescription Murder, the very first Columbo appearance, she would have been 12. Oh, God. Yeah, that's what I don't know if you can say that. Way too young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I, well, can I, mean, I tell you guys what um, Levinson and Link wanted to have Columbo say on the show to address the Mrs. Columbo series. Go ahead, please. Go. I found this. Oh, no, what was that? I found this on www.columbo-site.freeuk.com. Uh, <laughs> and so they wanted to have this. him deliver the line, there's a woman who's running around pretending to be my wife. She's a young girl. She's charging things. I wish my wife was like that. She's an imposter. They should have done wow. that. Wow. How did like you buy the Peugeot? Like, how would he say that in the middle of an episode? Like, by the way, a woman's running around <laughs> and it's my wife for unexplained reasons. Well, anyways, back to this case. Here's the thing. So, so in the subsequent year or two of this show, as they started distancing themselves more and more from Columbo, at one point, yeah, she's divorced. Which, you know, when they brought mm. the Columbo episodes back in the 80s, he was still married. He was still fine. It was still the same Mrs. Columbo. 
So they just pretty much just completely just okay. flat out ignored any of this even happened. That seems like the best strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, John, you were saying, you were telling me uh, a little bit ago, you were uh, watching some of the other ones, and Bob Dishon, yeah. who plays the, um, uh, the the sergeant who shows up a couple of times and is kind of annoying to Columbo, actually is in this as another L.A. cop, right, who also knows Columbo somehow? Yeah. Which is confusing. He's another sergeant. Was there, were there any it's cops in this episode? Because I remember being surprised at the end. Yeah, no cops. Like, there's no police. No. Yeah. Nobody except for Kate well, knows can't... that there's been a murder. Yeah, that's it. Kate, Col- Kate Colombo cannot call the cops because she's wanted for credit card fraud because, <laughs> and identity theft. Yeah, that's it. They would I think that's why they just okay. clink glasses at the end of the episode because she knows, well, congratulations, you found it out, but there's nothing you can do about it. More champagne. You're right? Have okay, one hand, champagne in the other. Oh, yeah, no, they, okay, yeah, so they do that. That's another thing at the end. They end it with a line, um, like, the ex-husband calls and says he's ready to see her, and then, like, the, for some reason, Sybil says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, and then just hangs up the phone, and that's where the episode and, ends. What? While, while what? kind of making eyes at Kate Mulgrew, I definitely got <laughs> a pretty lesbian vibe from that last scene, and I was all about it. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, guys. I didn't. No, no. That's I, I, no. It, no that, that, might actually, that might actually that might actually tie in yeah. to one of the things I actually liked. One of the things I actually liked about this show is that it was kind of refreshing to see a detective show that was almost all women. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. there was one guy in it, but Except the victim, creep, the murderer, creep, the, the, Richard, the detective, yeah. Yeah, the super creepy yeah. dude, and Henry Jones, all right, and yeah. and the husband. Henry Jones, who also has my favorite scene in the show, and having seen a bunch of Kate uh, Columbo's or Mrs. Columbo's, he has the same scene in every episode. Really? Which is, Kate Columbo shows up and she's got like, I think there's something more to this uh, uh, article about a local, uh, what do they call them, catering company? Yeah, catering company. Oh, right. She wants to write a 25 piece about a local catering business. And a weekly advertisement. And he just mutters, he just mutters two columns and then goes just <laughs> says something. But that's in every episode. Every episode, she's like, "I think, I think there's a there's a serial killer loose," and he'll be like, "Just write about the the art gallery opening." Oh. Yeah, that's she's, she's right the... every time, but he never starts giving her credit. Right. Even that's if she though. were right, even if he went, it's a penny saver. Like yeah. it's the wrong <laughs> formula. So even she's like, like, I just make expo- all these covering stories, which is amazing. Like by all right. rights, he should be getting calls from the press constantly. Like, how is this tiny penny saver journal right. breaking all these murder stories? But no, you yeah. How is she not working for the LA Times at some point? I don't know. But okay, LA, here that's the thing that bothered me about the show. A huge fundamental difference, something they missed. One of the things that works about Columbo is. I'm saying this having never been to the city, but I've been exposed to it through you know, popular culture for ages and whatnot. It just, to me, feels like Columbo is most definitely a show about Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It takes place in Los Angeles. Everything about it seems Los Angeles-ish. And uh, Columbo is not really your quintessential L.A. sort of police officer detective when you think about him from movies or TV shows. Well, with again, a, with like a coat, he's, he's, he's a East Coast New York guy. guy. No, that's what Columbo is. LA. He's this East Coast... Yeah old-fashioned New York City cop, but he's stuck here in the middle of this just concrete, sun-drenched wonderland full of rich people and successful people. And that's part of what's great about the fact he doesn't fit in. He's this complete outsider constantly, all the time. And this show feels like 
it doesn't feel like the same place in Los Angeles. It feels like this could be taken oh. in place in Winnetka, Illinois. This feels like this could be taken place in Connecticut. There's nothing, there's no sense of place to this program whatsoever. It just... We talked about this uh, in chat earlier. Do you remember, like, this feels like it could be taking place in the same town that Murder, She Wrote took place in. Oh, Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah this, could, this could be a prequel. That could be Jessica Fletcher before <laughs> she changed her name. Maybe it is. Who knows? See, there were ways for this to be a better television series. And, oh, man. Yeah. It, it's, and, you know, I like yeah. Kate Mulgrew. I think she's she's a fine actress. She could have really done something nice with but this. But not this. But she's terrible. No, she's, she's sabotaged her. This episode. None of the guest stars really did it for me. No, and no. in a way, it, it's a very it's a very cheap looking show too. The entire thing looks like <laughs> it's shot. Yeah. The, the sets, uh, the, the the shot arrangements, the editing, all of it just feels like a nineteen seventies early eighties uh, TV commercial all the way through. Every single bit of it, just it just that felt shot like of the, the, there's yeah. a shot where Patty throws a or shows a Viking dagger to uh, to Kate. And they frame like they do a, a, a half second frame of it in her hand, oh, and it yeah, just like looks like so a really, is yeah, a Viking like dagger just Viking a lobster tail? Because that's the most amazing no, it's two, name. It's two, butter, it's two butterfly shrimp and then a slice of lime. Wow! Oh, on a on a it's stick. Depressing. That's it. Well, here you go. Hey, our and the, our, the, our, slice the most lime successful catering around. business in town. The folks, <laughs> lime on their shrimp. Well, there's something uh, for our listeners at home. Uh, there's an idea, if you're listening to this, if you get this, our holiday episode before your holiday parties, and the idea for a dish, there you go, take Viking daggers, two butterfly shrimp, a wedge of lime, on a toothpick. And then oh, it's not a wedge, that's the thing. annoying part. That's, it's a here's slice. Here's another question. Who's going to eat that? Yeah. Is, is right. with, well, um, you can't Patty. squeeze it, it's a slice. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to eat it. Oh, boy. But with Patty, she knows she's allergic to one very specific type of caviar. Yes. Why would she just accept right. willy-nilly any caviar somebody hands her without double-checking? Or perhaps she know no. from the look of it or the smell of it that it smells like lungfish and not the more expensive beluga. Maybe that's it, too. Who knows? Yeah, and then she just lets herself be guided also, out. Because I love the idea that in 1980, everyone's solution right. to an allergic reaction was just, go outside, right. you'll be fine. Where she's going to be very chilly. <laughs> what kind of allergic reaction was that? Because that she all she she got nauseous. Paralysis. That wasn't really an allergic reaction. Move. I think she just yeah. Like, she didn't like puff up or anything. She didn't get red. She, right. she, never <laughs> felt, she felt very sleepy, and I don't know. Yeah, no, it was funny because normally you yeah. think somebody's throat closes up, she will just die, and people think it's an accident. But then it becomes this elaborate. Now right. I'll put you in the passenger seat of your own car. Luckily, this allergic reaction renders you <laughs> unable to open doors. Right. Oh, and I'll God. slowly push you towards a train, leaving you plenty of time to open the door. And we all know out. the number the, the number one symptom of allergies is you drive into a train. Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah, oh it's terrible. That's actually that's what happened he, in he double needs, indemnity. That's why I usually keep an epipen in the glove box just in case. Yeah, if I don't have my inhaler and an asthma attack comes along, I oh, tend to drive boy. a train. Yeah, I feel really bad for uh, your listeners uh, that this is our holiday gift to them. Yeah, I know. Too bad. <laughs> Cause it's, cause they can watch it too. We found we found it on YouTube. Yeah, so, so they we'll can have we'll have the link things. so you can watch it. Well, I mean, to me, I think it's interesting because it, it's part of the history of the show, and it's very strange, mm -hmm. and it's this amazing artifact of this like a TV network just floundering and grasping at straws and expending money and time 
and effort to just throw this thing in the air back when you had only three networks. You had a limited amount of time to reach the American people every week, and yeah. they used it for this, thinking like, oh, this will work. I- We'll throw this to the wall, it'll stick. No. And I guess the nice thing is, this means when we go back to a regular Columbo episode, it's going to feel amazing. Oh, unless it's the George Went one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we've, we've, we've got to come back on a strong one. we got to come back on a cult. So I've got, I've got one thing in my notes here. And, oh, Christ, I took notes. Uh, notes here. I, I wrote down, mm-hmm. what the fuck re World <laughs> War Three thing? Oh, What was yes. that? <laughs> What was that? I've forgotten already. That was a shaggy dog story. Oh, oh, okay. Columbo saying something about that, right? About starting World War Three or something. If she so, did something uh, or other. If I remember correctly, oh, yeah, Sybil, had said that she, <laughs> Sybil had said that she blamed herself for Patty's death. That was when she says, damn Viking she, daggers. Yeah, going, yeah. Yeah, oh, we hadn't right. done that. And, and Kate Mulgrew's response is, oh, I've done something like that. I once dropped my purse and saw someone very important. And it changed everyone's life, and that's how World War Three happened. Yeah, so just sort of smiles like, "Yes, that anecdote makes sense." Because this that's helpful. Because that's not a crazy person thing to say at all to make someone <laughs> feel better because their business partner and friend was just murdered and killed by a tree. Was she trying to say like it's like the butterfly effect? Don't feel bad I, about it. This would have happened, I guess or so. Or is right. it the butterfly shrimp effect? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that was oh, sitting there. Oh, Christ, John. No, that was RJ. I want credit. Was, I want full credit for that. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't do that to John. I wouldn't do that to John. Let him get blamed. I, I think I've developed a backstory for Mrs. Columbus. Okay. <laughs> I think I have a backstory for Mrs. Columbus that really is satisfying to me, and it's because I saw the pilot episode. And I'll have to I'll, I'll have to tell you a little bit about that to tell you about this. Okay. The, the pilot episode, which is which, by the way, guest star is Robert Culp uh, as oh. as murderer and victim, which that's neat. Oh dear. Um, starts off like kind of generally wacky, and then into. Oh. A, an equally bad murder, like in this one, but then it kind of becomes the Saw movies because there's a killer who communicates through a, an intercom and he sings nursery rhymes and he ab, he abducts yeah. her daughter yeah. and threatens to kill her daughter and then it turns out that's a ruse, but he's trying to kill Mrs. Columbo and she actually has to blow up a house to kill him. Wait, what? That's and here's a, my guess: every episode she lost that. this. That's all true. It's it was an intense episode. It was a mess. But my feeling is she lost her mind at that point. She is completely <laughs> crazy. That's why she pretends to be married to Mr. To Detective Columbo. That's why she tells a story like, I dropped my purse once and then World War III started. Remember that? Because she's nuts. Huh. She's completely lost her mind. That's why she's smiling at a funeral because mm. in her mind she can see dead people laughing. She's, <laughs> she's broken. Her mind is gone. Jesus. Oh, my God. This actually like dead people crazy. laugh and, and tell her secrets. Yeah. Oh. And like she's a danger to her daughter. That's the thing we should take away from this is whenever there's a scene with Jenny, we should be scared for Jenny because we don't know what mom's <laughs> going to do next because mom is full-blown wackadoo. And there is no dog. That's the other thing. She's hallucinating that dog. That dog she is like a puka in her damaged mind. The, food is still there. <laughs> just, the dog ate all the food. You can't have any. Sure, Mom. The dog ate the food. <laughs> Sneaks out later, just gets some peanut butter crackers, and just sobs about her mother. This is what the show is. I, I will say that that is an interpretation that makes this go down a lot easier. As insane as that is, yes. <laughs> uh, so, Has a lot more potential. So you know what, uh, Mallory? Somebody said earlier about their last scene 
and, and the vibes you were getting from the both of them, uh, from from uh, Mrs. Colombo and Sybil, the relationships between people in this, none of them make sense or seem like the way people would really react in these situations at all. Right. Nobody feels committed to any other relationship. No, not at all. Yeah. Like, I, I can't tell if uh, Sybil is... She's either so angry at her husband for humiliating her that she wants to murder him and she hates him, or she just doesn't care about him because, like, she's willing to give up murdering him for just saying, like, I don't want to come over for dinner, which is so flippant and not at all right. It's I mean, totally out of whack with what she was doing before. Well, I think that for her, the, the first thing, she wanted him back because I think, yeah, she felt like he humiliated her leaving and she had, he had supposedly gone with her partner. But then as soon mm-hmm. as he's back, she seems happy until he starts saying... I want more of your money. Sybil gets everything. Yes, Richard gets nothing. Kept. Yeah, he didn't want because I think they he didn't like the prenup they had the first time. And as mm-hmm. soon as he starts wanting more dough, that's when she's just trying to like beat his brains in or push him over balconies until until Kate Colombo happens to show up all the time she's about to kill him because she was bitten by a radioactive murder or something is, at some point. It is so farcical. And it is, if, if the viewers are thinking of watching the episode, it's definitely worth it for those scenes because yeah, she gets the most cartoonish so. look in her eye. And then Mrs. Columbo rings the doorbell yeah, with the she goes, flimsiest she goes, excuse. She like, goes blood simple. Kate Columbo comes in for no reason. Like she knows a murder is about to happen and then just happens to stop her. And then she's frustrated and annoyed. And then the fact that somebody was in the house for five seconds makes her... Think, yeah. All right, it's not worth committing murder at all now. I'll wait till tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's uh, a better murder day. Well, my lo- shift is over. I so. missed, yeah, she missed her murder window, so it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, well, I had about it's five like minutes there. Cartoon cartooned with the sheepdog. It just checks in, checks out. <laughs> yes. Oh on. yeah. Yes, that's it. Evening, Frank. Evening, Ralph. Yeah, the, the bell went <laughs> off. The bell went off. Like, oh well, I guess I'll just go to sleep. Yeah, she is a very cartoonish person, and that's partly why the ending, you know. It's, again, it's almost like kind Mrs. of a Columbo. fun villain, but... Oh, mm-hmm. No, if she had been on Columbo, I think that could have been yes, kind of... yeah. Nice. This, this um, would have been a yeah. really good Columbo episode. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was less compressed, there was a bit more time, and he was working on it, and you have him going to some fancy party, you know, not working as a waiter, but just he goes to the fancy party just trying to annoy somebody. This would have been a pretty good Columbo episode, but oh boy. Yeah, and I think part of what didn't, didn't work, work about uh, the two of them is at yeah. some point on a Columbo episode, the killer always realizes at some point that Columbo suspects him. Oh, and right. they become frustrated yes. and they change their behavior. But until the final conversation, and even then, it's only a couple minutes into the final conversation, Sybil has no idea that Mrs. Columbo thinks she did anything. And I don't think uh, Mrs. Colombo is so there's no, until this yeah, scene. So their entire relationship is just sort of friendly. There's no undercurrent of adversarial there's, behavior. There's no, there, yeah, there's no tension at all. There's no mm-hmm. tension to ratchet up in any way whatsoever. It's just a bunch of... What you of, really need in a show about murder. It After that first murder sort of happens, it's just a bunch of things yeah. that <laughs> happen because the episode has to end. It's like, okay, here's yeah. the scene. And then she just you know, the scenes, So we get to the end of the show. That's it. They're just marking yes. time, pretty much. One of the things that I'm I'm not sure about is that I don't I don't know if Kate Colombo didn't suspect the murder until the last minute or did from the beginning because she has no internal life, as near as I can tell. Yeah, well, I think, as I think she, to, yeah. there's never a moment like you would have on Colombo where we see her look at something suspiciously or raise a question. She's just very 
chipper and cheerful and trying to be helpful and weirdly tries on the mink coat and stares at herself in the mirror for a good 20 seconds. Right. Because, I mean, at, at first when I'm watching this thing, first way through, mm-hmm. when she first brings up the coat with the cop and kind of catches Sybil unawares with that, mm-hmm. I thought almost, oh, oh okay, so she's kind of she thinks there's something wrong right there from the get-go. But then, yeah, when she's trying on the coat that she's suspicious about... There's no indication of that whatsoever. She's like, oh, this is a nice coat. I can't keep it. Like, there's no indication. Well, that would have been, I think, that would have been a perfect moment for her to say, you know, something unusual about this is that she was in the passenger seat. That would have been a great moment for the case to start getting cracked open. But she just is like, well. This this was one of those things where where you watch, you know, 44 minutes TV and then you kind of stand up. And then you just kind of got to bend over and just kind of like uh, put your head between your knees and get a good breath. Because <laughs> it just, yeah. it's tiring. It's just tiring <laughs> and confounding. And you just feel for everybody involved with the whole affair a little bit. Uh, feeling for us for watching it. Feeling for whoever's mm-hmm. listening out there right now, if anybody still is. But yeah, this was. Okay, so do I really need to ask at this point in the program, as we usually do? Uh, what would you think? What did you think of it? How, how would you rate this episode of Mrs. Columbo, John? Uh, John's just taking a bow. Am I to rate it against? Oh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> am, am being facetious. Am I to rate it against other episodes of Mrs. Columbo on the standard? Yeah, sure. Because, why not? Yeah, because even a, I've only seen four, which yeah. But uh, it's not it's not even a good Mrs. Columbo episode. Oh, God damn. That's, wow. Oof. He's, well, he, it, it's the Ringo star of Mrs. Columbo episodes. It's oh, not even hey. the best drummer in the Beatles. Oh, not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Oh, it's a good line. Okay. Ringo's old. Okay. <laughs> uh, what somewhere I Kate Mulg used to say that and somewhere Kate Mulgrew, wherever she's sitting at home, maybe reading a paper this Sunday afternoon, we're recording this. She's kind of like winced like, oh, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's on Orange is the New Black now. She called I mean, the disturbance in the fine. Oh, she is? Good. Yeah, she plays Fred. Yeah, she's doing fine. She's the first female, yeah, first, yeah, first female yeah. Starship captain. Right. And now she's on, she's on yeah, she's like, one of the most acclaimed shows. She's doing great. Okay, good. Hey, are you going to ask me to rate this? Or oh, yeah, this no, no, yeah, you're next. You're next. Go ahead. Oh, good. But yeah. Whatever scale uh, you want to use for anything, for anything <laughs> any scale you want to use. Okay, I, I don't know about scale, but I would say it's worth watching if, like me, you are the kind of person who has a lot of time to watch television, and you're <laughs> willing to watch an episode of television that you know you probably won't enjoy, but would be worth having seen, so that you okay. could speak authoritatively about it. That's a good point. Um, you may not be that kind of person. If you're the kind of person who values your own time, feel free to skip it. There are moments of this episode that's so bad it's interesting, <laughs> but the majority of it is just so bad that it's bad. So there'll be a little bit that you can enjoy on a campy level. The majority of it, you will say, wow, they said it was bad and it's bad. I've <laughs> um, I, I would have to definitely agree with that assessment of things. There was a certain point in my life where I loved watching bad stuff. I loved watching bad movies, bad TV. It's like, ha this is so bad. And as I get older and older, I feel more like, why, why am I wasting time on doing that? So I, I would, oh, time is a finite resource. Ex- I'll die someday. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, exactly what you said in that this was, a, this was a legendarily not good idea, this TV series. So it's interesting to actually have tried to see it and see, like, 
that compared for my own eyes and brain mm. that, yes, everyone is right about that. But, I mean, there are certain points where it does get kind mm. of fascinatingly bad where you actually try to think through the decisions that were made that led to yeah. this. And like, how did it feel acting out that yeah. scene where what they are, say, all right, pick up that tiny poker yes. and stalk slowly towards your unsuspecting husband, <laughs> making big murder eyes. But, but then uh, definitely at the end of the scene, shrug and put it into the umbrella stand. Case. That won't look weird in the morning. Nope. Hey, Richard gets up. It is neat hey, to kind of why, watch. Why is the poker in the umbrella Richard. stand? I don't know. They did do that great '80s lighting <laughs> that I love, where almost every scene there's a giant fire that casts enormous shadows oh, on everyone's yeah. face. Yeah. Oh. Such a. Uh. Okay, so folks I, at home, yeah, I think know. it's kind of neat to watch the scene too and see where they they might actually they might have almost done something good. That's a thing. That's the thing that, that I love about watching really bad shows. But yeah, it was like forty five percent away from being good. I think right. that's a generous percentage. Like you yes. could you could strip I mean, it down from being from being bearable. Let's okay, put it that there way. We I mean, go. the kind okay. of show that you could say bearable sure better. this could exist. Yeah, yeah. Because the premise, it's not a terrible premise if you took out the Columbo stuff and you tweaked a couple things. I could see this as being some show that would have been fondly remembered years later. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, they mm-hmm. didn't do that. That didn't happen. It could have been a murder she wrote 10 years earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, and, and folks, a- after these glowing, glowing recommendations, if you want to see it, um, it is on uh, the Columbo <laughs> DVD box set. It's one of the bonus features. A cruelly, cruelly uh, uh, hopeful name for it, bonus feature. Um, or... Uh, you can find it. The full episode is on YouTube, and we will have the link um, on the post for the show at the, at the website. So, oh, boy. Um, Somehow I feel like sales of my book are going to go down as a result of this podcast. Maybe. Like but People I'm, will <laughs> retroactively people have gonna, not bought my book but, because of how bad this episode was. But how was. about this? If they feel sorry for you for having uh, gone through this whole ordeal... Uh, I went in with my eyes open. What? What? Where should they go to find this book? What should they do if they want to pick up a copy of your book? Oh, you! Uh, they can go to their nearest bookstore, okay. or they can go to Powell's, or they can go to Amazon if they so choose, mm-hmm. um, or they can go to textsfromjaneair.com, dot com, oh, which lays out a variety of options nice. for the discriminating book buyer. And uh, let, let's say, okay, they get your book, they read your book. See, I, I, I like this. Uh, but I want more of this. I want to be reading this kind of stuff every single day. Uh, what, what would they do then, Mallory? Man, you just uh, set them on up and I knock them down, don't you? Uh, they could visit the toast.net, the hyphen toast.net, or um, they could, I guess, swing by my house. I live in East Oakland. Okay, great. Uh, and I'm usually around. I, you know, I know some people live in Oakland, too, actually. So. That's very nice. I, I don't well, know. Why. Apropos of nothing, I know some people who live my place. in Oakland. Um, John, since we're on this whole <laughs> plug-in train, yes, sir. Uh, seeing how we super are around, train. oh yes, pl- plugging super train. Uh, we are uh, recording this as our holiday episode. Speaking of, and also, I, I'm I'm certain that uh, Mallory's book would make a fine holiday present for the people, especially on your for list. someone you don't know very well. There you go, um, John. Speaking of that, uh, is there something anybody like should be looking cap. forward to? on the internet uh, that you and maybe I had a hand in as well coming up around the Christmas. So something here. you and I did together that might be holiday themed. Yeah. That's what, what you're we, asking. Okay. Yeah. What we uh, well, uh, of course, uh, back in, back in Halloween, RJ and a number of other writers and I uh, put together the book, Boo Halloween Stories. 
from Monkey Brain, available on Comicsology.com. We're very happy to announce that for the holidays, we're doing the special Boo Holiday Special. Seven new stories, including one by RJ and Boo co-founder Manning Crow, will be available for sale Christmas Eve on Comicsology.com. All right, there you go. And how much is that going to be? Was that good? How much is that going to be? 99 measly freaking cents. My God, that is only 99 cents more than it costs you to listen to this podcast. That is not not even. No. Not even eight bits. And that can tide you over until we start uh, doing new ones of these in early January. So we're working on lists, working on the plans. And, yes. Yeah, we're going to get back to eventually these. But this one, this is what you can listen to on the trips to Grandma's uh, over thing. And maybe you can talk about the memories of Mrs. Colombo and the war with Grandma at uh, holiday dinners, Christmas well, dinners. Yeah. Three, which yeah, she well, probably remembers. How, if she remembers how World War Three was started by that <laughs> woman who dropped her purse in Los Angeles in 1979. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mallory, for uh, for putting up with this. I uh, appreciate it. Guys, it was a it was a joy after watching that episode. Oh, that's nice to say. Um, <laughs> you can listen to episodes of Just One More Thing, New World, at uh, thecitydesk.net slash Just One More Thing, or it's in the podcast section of iTunes, or it can be found on your Stitcher app, or however it is you listen to those things on your little uh, box of stuff. Uh, we also have a Tumblr. Um, teamcolumbo.tumblr.com uh, where we post uh, bits and videos and photos and news items we find and also John posts these great screen grabs of the episodes um, so you can go there to find that if you have questions for us uh, before we come back after the holidays um, just uh, write to us colombo at thecitydesk.net otherwise um, everyone have a, have a happy holiday season be safe watch a lot of Columbo. And uh, I guess that's it for me. Um, bye. John, would you like to say goodbye to bye. the folks? Bye. That's it. Bye-bye, everybody. Huh. You know, I, I really thought he was just going to replay the Aaron Blair episode. Ghost of Christmas Future, what are you saying? Is our show doomed if we do a Mrs. Columbo episode? Yeah, if, if we just don't do that one, then what? We should be a... Completely fine! Yes! Yeah. That is what the Ghost of Christmas Future is obviously saying. If we never, ever do a Mrs. Columbo episode, we will be completely fine. The podcast will go on forever. Yeah, well, not forever, but, you know, just as long as there are Columbo episodes left. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That's, just, that's crazy, because it's a hey, 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 number hey. Columbo episode. Idiots. Yeah, right, right, right. uh, Shut up. You already made the episode. We did? We did? What do you think we just listened to? Oh, uh, yeah, right. I guess that makes sense. I guess we're s- screwed, then. Uh, you are so very screwed. Oh. Well, in that case, Merry Christmas, everybody! Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, 